0: And welcome to new track record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney, with you as we wrap up the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series season. Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing, your 2021 Series champion, and Colton Herta winning the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach for Andretti Autosport to wrap up the series final race of the year in Long Beach, California. And we have a lot to get to. We'll, of course, recap the race We'll talk about another uh, rumor, some driver announcements. We'll have uh, plenty to discuss on our uh, basically a season recap episode, if you will, Justin.
1: Yes. Here to wrap up the season that um, had no major issues in terms of uh, hangups from COVID other than, you know, obviously Toronto. So it was nice to get back to some semblance of halfway normalcy.
0: And before we get into our three takeaways from this race, uh, there are there fireworks in qualifying uh, that I think we'll discuss. There was a great drive through the field. There was a, your fireworks in the warm-up. warm-up. Yeah, that's true. And, Which... and I watched that that clip, and I don't think I've ever seen Elio that fired up. Yeah, it was it, awesome. Since, since the time he tried to uh, attack and fight the security guard. <laughs> At Edmonton in two
1: thousand nine. Yeah, it's been a minute. So he obviously has not mellowed in his old age, but you know, maybe all of that happiness and positivity, it's just building up that that uh, you know, inside him until it explodes, until he tries to pass Alexander Rossi at a weird part of the track and they
0: collide. A, a just a truly bizarre, impassioned uh interview oh, that I Helio it. It was did great. dropping the F bomb. It was not not something you'd expect from him, but it was it it was interesting going into the race on Sunday, and also b- before we get to our three takeaways, one thing I I want to discuss a lot of talk about well, what if IndyCar could make this the final race of the season and go to say Laguna Seca the week before? What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I mess with it. I, I still feel. The traditional date is better, I, you know. They, they said the crowd was, you know, equivalent, but slightly down. It, it just feels like it. I, I don't why we, we talk so much about why mess with date equity. That's true. And you know, there was even a you know online talk or whatever. Well, they have two races. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Just you know, let's let's just keep things as it is. I, like I would like nothing more than to find a. Great venue for a season finale, but it's really not on my top list of priorities for IndyCar.
0: Yeah, the the crowd. I think in 2019 it was reported as like over 189 thousand, and this year is 180 thousand, so comparable, probably slightly down, but you would expect it to be up over 2019 in 2022, assuming there are no restrictions like there were this year. And while having a race around city streets. Marks for more chaos and carnage, usually in the race. Again, it's still kind of restrictive, d- depending on one the the locale, which I think Long Beach is a, a solid locale. But also, you got to think about well, what helps sponsors and the sponsors went Laguna Seca over Long Beach for what it's worth. It seems
1: well, and there's something to be said too about look, uh, you you could make the case that Sonoma was largely boring, and you know Laguna Seca had action, but. You know, there's something to be said about the drivers controlling what's going to happen for the season finale, as opposed to you add that element of unknown on a closed street course, basically. And it's exciting for us, but I could see some pushback from the drivers in terms of, look, we we like being in, in a natural terrain road course with big runoffs and all that because it allows Mistakes to be made or you can dodge trouble. There's nowhere to go at Long Beach. And, you know, I I quite frankly, I'm not sure if I really want a a championship decided um by a wreck. I mean, you know, Pato Award needed a lot of things to go right on Sunday for him to have even have a shot. But imagine that, you know, he was within a couple points of Alex Polo going into that race. Is that how you want the the championship to be decided? Because I feel like those things are more likely at, at Long Beach than, say, at a Laguna Seca.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And as we get into our takeaways, I'm just going to start. I'm going to own it up all year. I've had to own this up. <laughs> One of my preseason predictions, the Chip Ganassi Racing would, <laughs> would struggle. They end the year, what, with six victories, which is double Andretti Autosport with Colton Hurt is three and double team Penske is uh power one race and then New Garden won two. Right. And then that's, that's it. Yep. So <laughs> you were yeah. way off, but yikes!
1: to be honest, I predicted n- not a lot of change either. I-, I said, you know, half of the races are going to be won by team Penske. And then half of those are going to be won by Andretti Autosport. And then majority of the rest are being won by Scott Dixon. So I too was uh, way, way off in terms of my predictions.
0: So Alex Pillow, uh, here's my mea culpa also for all the talk about well Pa is not race long Beach um from practice one on that didn't seem to be an issue
1: no not <laughs> at all and it didn't seem to be the issue an issue over the final three races of the season where we were talking he hasn't been at any of these tracks oh my gosh what's he gonna do how's he gonna handle it and over the final three races Alex Pol goes first second and fourth so take that
0: yeah. So, you know, and he was up front in the race. He didn't really have to do a whole lot. It's um, still a solid run for him to end the season with a fourth-place finish after starting in 10th. Uh, but, again, my first takeaway, just apologies to everyone at Chip Ganassi Racing for being a <laughs> hater, being a doubter going into the season because you made me look like a fool, basically since Barber opened the season up with Alex Blow getting a win.
1: Well, you know— You were trending towards how it's been at Chip Ganassi Racing lately, and it's been Scott Dixon and everybody else, and that changed, you know, a little bit last year with Felix Rosenquist getting a win, but this year especially, which with a driver not named Scott Dixon winning the championship for Chip Ganassi Racing,
0: and for Alex Blow, I mean, you got to go back a long time to have a driver come into the series and so quickly have success early on. I mean, to win a championship in a second full time season, um, I, I don't know off the top of my head, but what what? We're thinking and, and you gotta exclude guys who race and cart when the team switched to IRL slash IndyCar. I mean that that's right. a little different. Like to me I'm thinking what, Dan Weldon in, in two thousand five? Because he had like a season and change under his belt and then he won the won the title in uh, two thousand five. Did he win for For Andretti, oh Andretti, yeah, yeah. I mean that's kind of like the closest comparison I can think to for a young driver coming in not having previous, you know, open wheel, whether cart slash Champ Car slash IRL experience, coming in winning an IndyCar title. I mean, is that the best comparison? Uh, It's got to be
1: close. And you know, think in terms of major motorsport. I mean, we're not talking car, you know, carts or anything. This is Alex Pullo's first championship ever. He didn't win a championship in, in Spanish Formula Three. Uh, he didn't win a championship in Japanese Formula Three. He didn't win a championship in Super Formula. All places he finished second or third. But you know Formula Two, he finishes twenty first. He only had four starts in two thousand seventeen. But you know he's uh, in Formula in, in Formula Three Europe. He finishes seventh in the season um, with a couple, with no wins. And for him to come out and win. The championship in IndyCar, I mean, you could make the case that there's been no more, no less heralded driver in the last, uh, you know, couple decades to win the championship in IndyCar.
0: Yeah, and, you know, I pulled up Weldon sat so he ran a couple of races with Panther in 2002, but then he was full season in 2003, finished 11th. 2004, he was second. I won three races, and then 2005, he won the title by winning uh, For the first five, just dominating that season, so he even had more experience under his belt in IndyCar compared to pillow I I just think what pillow did is something I don't even know if we've ever seen anything like this before.
1: I agree. I, I think we're kind of underrating just what he did because uh, it was the first year since I want to say 2001 where a driver in IndyCar won both his first race and the championship, and both. Alex Pelot and
0: Pato Ward. Well, uh, Sam Hornish Jr was that driver, right? Right.
1: In 2001 Sam Hornish Jr, you know, but then you you know Ward was in that position if he would have won the championship as well. And you know when you look at uh, at Sam Hornish Jr's, you know, before he went to IndyCar, uh he was in Atlantics and and finished 7th. Before going with PDM racing in a part-time gig, before he landed at Panther for O one and win the championship. In fact, he went back-to-back championships in O one and O two. So, I mean, before Alex Pillow, you probably have to go back to to uh, you know Sam Hornish Jr. in terms of somebody that has been less heralded coming into the series in terms of proven uh, you know racing acumen and championships.
0: Yeah, and. You know we can't discount that Hornish, in 2000 was it 2002? He had to do that against Penske or no? Penske wasn't over full time yet. No, not yet he? it
1: was the but it was oh
0: three oh three, and he finished fifth in the standings. So e- either way, I like you said, we are discounting. I think what Palou's done. Well, and, I think and partly because he's so new to the scene that it, it's. Just such a big surprise.
1: Well, I think there's no comparison between the field in 2001 and 2002 and the field in 2021. Absolutely. So, not selling Sam Hornish Jr. short, but, you know, Felipe Giaffoni finished fourth that year in standings. Alex Barron was fifth. So, you know, that just kind of gives you a little idea of how watered down the Indy Racing League was in 01 and 02. Comparatively to this year, where fourth place in the standings was Scott Dixon and fifth was Colton Herta,
0: which and, and Herta won three races. I mean, he tied for yeah. the most race wins and just didn't have consistent enough results uh, like Pilo did.
1: Here's an interesting, you know, factoid for you. Uh, really quick is I'm looking at the top seven drivers. Okay, that in the standings, finishing standings. And how many of those finished in the top 10 at Indianapolis? Because we talk so much about double points.
0: Of the top 10? Of in the, the top
1: seven drivers in the final standings, how many of those seven finished in the top 10 at Indy?
0: Uh, let's see. So Pelot did. Um, Newgarden did not. Pato did. Dixon did not. Herda did not. Erickson, I don't think so. Hall did not. Pagano did. Power, I don't think he did. Rossi did not. So, what is that? Like half?
1: Well, yeah. Three of the top 10 drivers in the final standings and even two of the top seven finished in the top 10 at Indy. Isn't that weird? Because we talk so much about, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, you know, double points means so much. And yeah, it does. But, you know, look at some of these drivers that so, did
0: not finish well. Pelot, Pato, and Pagina, who were second, yeah. third, and fourth, were the only guys who finished top. You know, we, like you said, we talk about double points and, you know, oh, that plays such a big role. Yeah, they were there, but the majority of you guys, like you said, were not, <laughs> didn't run well at Indy, and they still finished top 10 in points. So. Right, so I don't
1: know what to take out of that. I don't know if, you know, maybe we do overvalue Double points, but then again you're like, how do you overvalue double points? It's double points. But I think it just shows that Indy doesn't make or break your title chances. And maybe we make too much of, oh man, you know, this person finished, you know, here. But I think, you know, when you look at maybe a Colton Hurta finished sixteenth, Scott Dixon finished seventeenth at Indy, it doesn't hurt as bad as say a Graham Ray Hall finishing thirty second for Example,
0: yeah, that's that's when it will kill you when you finish outside like the top 15, right? Absolutely. All right, what's your first takeaway?
1: My first takeaway of this race, what do we want to talk about here? Um, let's talk about the incident with Pato Award and Jones. <laughs> Why not? Why shouldn't we? I mean, who knows if uh, if Pato Award are going to be able to do anything anyway? Um, but you know, he finished or started eighth and he had shown pace obviously in the uh, qualifying there was a bit of an issue a bit but it was just almost a largely a weekend to forget for pato award um you know what what do we blame the series for what do we blame ed, ed jones for what do we blame the team for um is this a you know completely blameless pato award and mclaren for the weekend or you know do they hold some responsibility as well
0: I think the incident is completely on Ed Jones. Yes, I would agree. I mean, it's not even close in what probably will be the final IndyCar race uh, for Ed Jones. I don't think he will be back, not even for an Indy 500 deal. Uh, really? You're just throwing him out? Not going to see him again? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. I, I Obviously, he won't be full-time again. I would be surprised if he, if he even gets an Indy 500 deal. I mean, he's had his chances, and that kind of boneheaded mistake on the opening lap to run into the back of a title con- contender. I mean, that's yeah. Uh, it's just it's really not bad. good. Not good. Not the way you want to go out to end the season. As far as McLaren, it just seemed like they were pressing the final few races of the season, right? I mean, it yeah. just didn't seem like they had the pace. You know, they they were throwing everything at it and it never felt like it was going to work. You felt like they could c- compete in the, you know, for a top five or top ten, but they needed race wins late in the season, and they were nowhere close to that.
1: But how, you know, how much does that go to a the organizations? And you know, while McLaren has settled in at IndyCar, it's still a relatively young team, despite their you know associations with with Vasser Sullivan and all that. But uh, or no, I'm sorry, that's Dale Coyne. But uh, even with the, with the Arrow guys and Sam Schmidt and all that. And then comparatively to Chip Ganassi Racing, and I don't think there's any comparison in terms of those two organizations quite yet, and the teammates too, in terms of what you're looking at. I yeah, mean, Felix... Felix Rosenquist not probably much of a help to Pato Award in terms of advice and and all that.
0: Their setups are said to be completely different. You know, driving style. And Felix early in the season, they were trying to have him adapt to Pato's driving style, which is more aggressive and a lot. You know, looser with the car, a car sliding around. And that clearly wasn't working. And Felix was putting together, you know, some okay results and definitely had pace late in the season. Yeah. You know, whereas before he didn't even have pace. I I think part of it is just Ganassi has four cars to pull data from. Uh, Errol McLaren SB has two. And a lot more experience, whether it's
1: teammates in the paddock, engineering wise. And I think that helped. I think, you know, Alex Pelot was able to come into a three-race stretch where he was unfamiliar with any of those three races. And, you know, partly to his own talent, but also partly to the support system and and that Chip Ganassi has built with that race team, he felt pretty comfortable. And I don't think Pato Award felt comfortable over the final three weeks.
0: Well, and you, you go back to the Gateway Race where Award finished second. Okay, that was his highest finishing result since winning – detroit race two and okay a second place is good for the championship but at that point i mean that was the only other race he was truly in contention for a win right Right. so that's one that you have to win and and new garden was untouchable that day uh, on a short oval which is not really a surprise but that's the race that he has to win to truly bring it in the championship fight
1: yeah most definitely so Uh, It was more of a stumbling to the finish line type. I mean, we saw Pato Award trying to hold on to third by the end of that race, um, let alone compete for the championship. So just got away from Pato Award, lessons learned. He did finish a spot above what he did last year, fourth to third. So he's trending in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I think my second takeaway for a weekend that looked like would be dominated by Colton Herta, and ultimately it was – The fact that he was able to achieve on Sunday in the race by driving through the field after starting 14th, I mean, to me, that was super impressive. They got the strategy right, going red, red, then black, to end the race on the final stint with the tires. I think his drive, I mean, we have already cemented him as the number one guy at Andretti, right? Right. Yeah. I I don't think that's really up for debate. He's got six wins in his three seasons, three of them coming this year, tied for most race wins in the series with below in 2021 to me the momentum he has the end of this season he can put together the full package and and be a championship contender not just like from a distance like he was this year finishing fifth and then last year i believe he was fourth um but he can truly be a contender next year for the championship and i i think Having a change up in the team with uh, Roman Grosjean joining should help as well. Just some fresh ideas. Not that you know Hinchcliffe and Hunter Ray were bad drivers. I think they struggled sometimes through their own faults, other times seemed to be a, a team issue. But I th- I think with Herda, he is a guy that is truly a championship contender in twenty twenty one and what he displayed on Sunday. I mean, just picking guys apart early in the race. It was impressive.
1: And, you know, his precision as well. It's just, uh, absolutely impressive on what he's been able to do and develop into. And, you know, we mentioned it last year in terms of him kind of having to clean some things up, um, you know, and no, for no fault to his own, for his own, you know, being, you know, things happening, but, you know, he, he, has three wins this year, in turn, and you know only one a year ago. So while he did slip in points in this point standings, he finished third last year. Yeah, he picked up two additional wins.
0: And so- let's not forget, he made the mistake at Nashville when it was going to be second place or maybe even another win. And then he had the issue at Gateway when he was, you know, leading for the bulk of that race and had the issue coming into the pits and that was it
1: true yeah so it's those miscues though i mean this championship is so tight and and so many talented drivers that one or two mistakes over the course of a season
0: can cost you for sure all right what's your second takeaway
1: well my second takeaway is you know maybe you you mentioned it a little bit with ed jones um but which drivers did we see their last start in indycar this past week um, maybe even outside of the Indianapolis 500. Ooh, who made their last start?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously Ed Jones. I think he will not be full time. I, I don't think that's a stretch. And I don't. I would be surprised if he starts in IndyCar again. Uh, let's see who else. Hunter Ray will probably not be full time. Hinchcliffe won't be full time. I think we'll see them. For Bauder is not going to be full time. That's true, Bauder after that it gets kind of murky i mean ask you connor daly i don't think Askew you or daly will be full-time now i could see him at Indy for sure
1: um you know we're hearing you know dalton kellett potentially coming back to Foyt, which was surprising to us i mean max chilton
0: that one's up in the air right <laughs> yeah I mean, technically he doesn't run full-time as it is, but he does run a majority of the races because all road and street plus the Indy 500. Right. I think he might come back to run that same kind of schedule. Could be. Um, But I feel like it's
1: it's the season of change now, and how many of these 28 drivers did we see for potentially the last time outside of May?
0: Kimball probably last time outside of May unless he can put – some big deal together yeah i think yeah uh, it's it's a great question
1: yeah i was just kind of wondering that as i was watching the race is you know which of these guys are we seeing the uh the last of and unfortunately ed jones you know not going
0: out the way he would like i'm sure no i i don't think (laughs) he wanted that to happen All
1: right, what's your number
0: three? All right, number three. Shout out to Scott McLaughlin for winning uh, Rookie of the Year. Hey, hey. A lot was made going into this race about Roman Grosjean, and could he chase down McLaughlin as he was 20 points behind uh, going into the race. But McLaughlin was solid to end the year, a fourth at Gateway, a ninth at Portland, 12th at Laguna Seca, 11th at Long Beach in, in his first attempt uh, to me, that's solid because street circuits are unforgiving, and we saw that because, well, Grosjean hit the wall and finished in 24th. So <laughs> it, it kind of <laughs> took the drama out of it. But shout out to Scott McLaughlin. He had a tough, tough middle stretch of the season after finishing eighth in, in the first Indy uh, GP race, but really rallied in the final handful of races with some good results. I agree. Um, the expectations
1: weren't high for. Scott McLaughlin, but I would think, you know, wherever those expectations were, you felt like he met them.
0: And I would say he met or exceeded them because he had a podium, and that came on an oval, which is unexpected. He, He finished 14th in points, maybe slightly down. You know, I would have projected 11th or 12th, but to get a podium, I think, was way more impressive to me. And with Grosjean adding the race at Gateway... I mean, it became a true battle that we did not expect to see. Yeah,
1: most definitely. But I think going forward now, year two, Scott McLaughlin needs to step it up now. He's had his year of acclimating himself. And next year, as soon as next year, he needs Mm -hmm. to be in the running for some wins. And maybe not a championship, but he needs a better year in year two than he had in year one. But I think we all kind of expect that happening
0: yes i mean you're learning all of these tracks outside of st pete where he started to end last season and i think having another you know a full season under his belt some changes at penske as one driver is gone we'll get to that a bit later i think he will have some pressure to get a top 10 points finish i think that's kind of the goal next year yeah
1: absolutely i think you know progressive improvement and you know I, I think maybe a win is on the docket
0: for for year 2 yeah i i could see it especially with how he ran on the ovals which it, it always surprising. happens this way doesn't it
1: <laughs> yeah i know we always kind of uh, oh the, the ovals are going to be the most difficult and then and, you know look what happens so
0: <laughs> all right what's your third takeaway
1: uh you know let's see what's my number 3 um this is t- i mean can we talk a lot? yeah i mean through three races he's been a non-factor and that's a positive and a negative i feel um you know a couple mechanicals uh, over the final three races but he, he didn't jump out at you as a guy that was woefully uh underpaced and completely out of his element and for a guy that a lot of people consider f1 quality I think he did a good handling of himself, you know, qualified even well. It wasn't, you know, okay, wherever lot is starting, it's going to be toward the back. I mean, was consistently able to out-qualify some full-time drivers. And I think, you know, with him now locked into the full-time seat next year for Hollins Hollinger Racing, uh, I'm really excited about seeing this kid next year.
0: Yes, and like you said, he was never really in the way or making moves that drivers were saying, well, I lot's an idiot out there. What was he thinking? We never got any of that. And to me, that's that's important. That's key because he stayed out of the way. I think for the laps that he got, like you said, some mechanical issues, he was solid. I don't think anyone thought he was going to compete for, you know, advancing out of his qualifying groups and compete for top ten finishes. I mean, that's absurd. But for what we got, I think he showed some some ability. And I think next year – It will be a work in progress throughout the season. But by the end of the year, second half of the season, I think he can maybe put some results together. really just depends on if that team can get a second car, which they would like to have, if they can get funding. (laughs) If. Yeah.
1: You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this time next year we're talking about the silly season and is lot potentially on the move to a bigger team. Wow okay based on his potential i mean i'm not saying he's going to go out next year win a race or you know several podiums but i could see him alex polo like who you know was serviceable at coin racing but had what two or three top tens if that
0: yeah you know, one podium he he had some speed you saw the talent and the ability it just putting it together was not quite there for polo in year one i mean you look at what he did in twenty twenty with coin, a podium at Road America, followed by a top ten in the second half of that double header, and a top ten at the uh, third IMS Road course race. Sixteenth in points, but you saw the potential.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if we're um speaking similar with Callum Eilat next year that, uh, you know, maybe a couple top tens and and really showcases his talent. We saw Chip Ganassi. He was impressed with what Alex Pelot did in 2020. I wouldn't be surprised if a big-time team gets impressed by Callum Eilat in 2022.
0: All right. So some other notes from Detroit. Some crazy stats, Justin, that uh, courtesy of I like crazy Chad 200, that just kind of summarize the up and down season for, for some of the guys in the field and i think uh, this first one focuses on the down so kevin magnuson led more laps in an this season than the following drivers this is a long list courtesy of chad 200 on twitter alexander rossi ryan hunter ray scott mclaughlin jack harvey oliver askew santino ferrucci ed carpenter marco andretti dalton kellett juan montoya tony Cannon. Jimmy Johnson, and James Hinchcliffe. Wow. <laughs> he made one start. Sheesh. And had to end on a mechanical. Now, he went yeah. off sequence for the lead, but I just think that's wild. Yeah, absolutely. Also, for uh, Rossi, zero wins, zero poles for second straight year. He led just two laps all season. Zero wins, two podiums, 12 laps led for Pagano this year. And first season without a podium for Ryan hunter reay since going full-time in 2008, he led just four total laps for the second straight season. Wow, these are indeed crazy stats here. <laughs> and something that was well not so crazy: the TV rating. <laughs> Dismal. Yes, uh, this was not a surprise that it would struggle in going up against the NFL. That's just and the how Ryder it works. Cup. that too. So a point two one. 368,000 viewers. Uh, according to Adam Stern, uh, the last time the race ran in April 2019, it got 442,000 viewers. However, if you want to talk about positives, NBC reports the 21 season series most watched in five years. So that goes back to 2016 in terms of cable network combined viewership 1.223 million viewers. Uh, In 15 races, up 19% on 20, 10% on 19. The previous best season-long mark came in 2016 at 1.310 million. That from Nathan Brown of the Indy Star. And then Adam Stern posted the top 10 TV markets. Obviously, Indy is number one. I think that's a given. Yeah. But I think you look at some of the other markets, and it's a major surprise. So Knoxville, Tennessee, was second at 1.85. Indy had a 4.40. Dayton, Ohio, which is usually in the top 10, 1.80. Louisville, 1.69. Nashville, with 1.68. Columbus, Ohio, 1.63. They're usually up there. Cincinnati, a 1.59. Fort Myers, 1.54. Greenville, which is always high on the list for whatever reason, 1.41. And Sacramento, a
1: 1.23. I think this just further showcases that. You know, IndyCar just needs to get out the way once football starts, and there's no look if you want all if you want all eyes on your championship, you need to not have as many conflicts as possible. Just like in the summer when IndyCar is getting its biggest ratings, you know what's going on elsewhere? Really nothing, right? So. We see things start to tail off at the end of the season when you'd hope that they were, you know, trending upward. And that's only because of the competition that comes about, you know, in September. And I know people, you know, why they end the season so early. I, for one, welcome getting out the way before football gets into full swing.
0: To me, I would like them to go until the first weekend of October. But if they could work that out where it could be a... You know, Saturday night race, which I know they had issues with ratings, you know, in the past, or run something, you know, West Coast that doesn't have a conflict with the East Coast NFL games, aka the Midwest teams normally. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to escape every team, but say the race starts at four and your TV window is four to seven Eastern, then you escape basically the, uh, the, first half of the NFL Sunday slate.
1: Yeah, it's just it's a bad combination of things and you know going back to the season finale venue story you know maybe in terms of 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 excitement you want to have it at a Long Beach because of the bigger crowd as opposed to a Sonoma and our Laguna Seca. So in that respect I understand but if it's mired in late September up against the NFL it's still not going to have as many eyes as you would like to have on it. So I don't know what the perfect solution is. All I know is going up against the NFL is death.
0: Meanwhile, in Spain, the broadcast of the race on Movistar was, was up by 50 times the usual audience figures.
1: Hey, the first Spanish uh, champion brought out the viewers in
0: Spain. So that's pretty cool. Um, we got a lot of a lot of driver announcements that came down. Again, none of these surprising. You mentioned Callum Eilat full-time next year with Juncos Hollinger Racing. I think when he signed on to do the remainder of the races on the season after it was just that first race, I think we all kind of thought that was going to happen. Yeah. And then we finally got confirmation of Simon Paginot to Schenk Racing in the 60 car, Sirius XM Auto Nation, again the sponsor. Kind of wonder what happens to a Menards for Penske, assuming they don't have a fourth driver. Will that just shift to Newgarden? I think so.
1: I I think it's just going to transfer over to somebody that, you know, who knows what Verizon's future is and all that. I I think, you know, if Menards wants to be a primary for an entire season again, and I don't know why they wouldn't, Penske will find him a spot.
0: And then also Roman Grosjean, again, long expected, but finally got official confirmation on Grosjean to Andretti and some of the details there two-year deal. So I think that's good for everyone involved. Also, an executive from DHL flew in from Dubai for Ooh. this announcement, according to Nathan Brown of the Indie Star. So clearly a pretty big deal. His engineer, Justin, I'll let you do the honors.
1: Uh, Olivier Boisson.
0: Yes, he will be coming over. Grosjean announced his family would also move to Miami. They found a French school uh, there as well for his kids. So everything kind of setting up well for him to move to America. So all in all, pretty good deal. And we thought it would be a full season sponsor for DHL because there are rumors they are going away. Well, not quite. Nathan Brown reports that Ryan Hunter Ray revealed that DHL isn't in fact a full season sponsor on the number 28 and ready auto sport car next year for Roman Grosjean said he believes it's on the car for 11 races with the other six featuring a sponsor to be determined and RHR, uh, told Jenna Fryer that uh, he and Andretti decided in November of last year he would not return next season, a.k.a. this season. Um, (laughs) Noted, he's been with Andretti longer than his wife, and we've got three kids.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I, I think he'll figure something out with that. But all in all, I think it's a really big announcement, and it's just good that it's finally confirmed.
1: Well, I mean, now, um, we've talked about it before, Alexander Rossi, you are now the number 3 driver in the Andretti Autosport stable, and now the expectations rise for Romain Grosjean, too. Um, similar to Scott McLaughlin, but Romain Grosjean had the better season, and expectations will go up. So, what is, you know, what is a respectable, realistic goal for Roman Grosjean in 2022, Caleb?
0: I think win a race or two. Finish top 10 in points. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. I so, mean, I, I'm not saying he's going to contend for the championship. I think that's kind no, of absurd. but I think he gets but his first win. winning a race and top 10 in points, I think, is realistic standard. Yeah, I would agree. Also, this is official, not that it was a surprise Renus VK will be back with Ed Carpenter racing in the 21 car. In 2022, That's the official confirmation announcements. Then you get to some of the other silly season stuff. So you mentioned earlier Bourdais. This could probably be his final full-time season. Nathan Brown, the Indy Star, with a good write-up on that, saying that Bourdais is expected to be confirmed as one of Chip Ganassi Racing's drivers in its Cadillac DPI program for the 2022 IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. And as far as what he runs in IndyCar, it would just depend on what is available that doesn't conflict with sports cars if he indeed returns to A.J. Foyt Racing. lot there, and we'll see. Uh, you
1: know, that 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 Bourdais thing kind of went under the radar. I sent it to yeah. you, and it was posted on Motorsport, and it was a two-day-old article, and I was like, did you see this? Or no. Is this something I just missed? Uh, basically saying he was going to be part-time for 2022, so... Could we see a third Foyt car, but just part-time for Bourdais and then two full-timers? Kellett and, you know, maybe a Tatiana Calderon? I'm not sure, but it was kind of surprising. I felt that uh, Sebastian Bourdais, you know, in terms of the experience and continuity with that team, would be welcomed back in 2022.
0: Yeah, they had a strong start to the season with Bourdais, a fifth place at Barber, a 10th at St. Pete, then struggled for a while. Uh, but finished with some decent results, 5th uh, at Gateway, and then an 8th at Long Beach. And if that's the end of his IndyCar career, um, I, I guess to me it's, it's kind of frustrating he never got that shot after coming back from F1 yeah. to race for a top team. I mean, he was with Coin, he was with Foyt, he was with KV, he won races. I mean, it's not like the yeah. guy couldn't win any races. It was just frustrating he never truly got that shot with what was then the big three when he returned.
1: Well, and I think, you know, fairly or unfairly, he was judged by when he won his championships in a watered-down field, right? Yeah. And, you know, whether that impacted team's opinion of him or not, it it always felt like an asterisk. Yeah, he won four straight titles, but it was a watered-down field, right? So, um, I think that was, you know, kind of the dichotomy with with Sebastian Bourdais, the positive and the negative. And I think, you know, fairly or unfairly, uh, I think team owners judged him by his the majority of his wins and his championships coming in a series that really lacked for talent.
0: And according to racer.com's Marshall Pruitt, uh, Foyt Floyd considering a three-car program. So we would expect Kellett to be a, be back with the team in the number four car. The 14 could be split, could be Bourdais. Could be Tatiana Calderon, uh, Charlie Kimball, you know, who ran for the team on Sunday at Long Beach. And I'm not sure where they're getting that third car. I would guess they'd have to bring considerable considerable sponsorship, whether it's a driver from Lights. I don't think that will be David Malucas's landing spot, but it could be. You know, could Linus Lundquist advance up as well? He will get an indie car test. Cal Kirkwood has to end up somewhere. I think he'll be at Vassar Sullivan. Just.
1: <laughs> very well could be. Um, you know, who knows what uh what rocket is involved. You know, could rocket have been the one that says we want somebody else in that seat for 2022. Uh-huh. Uh very well could be the situation here because they're going to be desperate um in terms of Foyt racing to hold on to sponsors, particularly a full-time primary sponsor in rocket. I'm sure if they are coming back in 2022, they have some decision making Uh, power in terms of who's going to be in that
0: seat and then some other news that we learned and i think i teased this in a previous episode but the official announcement came out the indy lights will now be promoted uh, by indycar so they will keep uh, cooper tires with the cars and indycar race director kyle novak will be the race director for lights as well but dan anderson and anderson promotions will not be promoting the series so IndyCar already owns Indy lights, but they were basically letting Dan Anderson promote the series kind of run operations is my understanding is that is that kind of correct there? yeah yeah so Most definitely so now really it's up to IndyCar to <laughs> ensure the car counts you know continue to improve We were looking at around 12 or so this season you know next year you would hope they could get 15 or 16 and eventually get back to 20 plus. I mean that's the goal, right? And you have to do that by either lowering costs or giving more value for the drivers participating.
1: Yeah, and I think that's going to be a a greater ability for you know the Penske Group to do that as opposed to Dan Anderson. And you know it comes out uh, on Thursday, Caleb, that Anderson Promotions unveiling the USF Junior Series, which from what we understand and you know I'm, I'm I. Uh, messaged Rob Howden to kind of confirm this earlier today. It's basically the F4 equivalent. And it's actually going to use the similar um, chassis and power plant that the F4 series uses. Um, And then going forward, as soon as 2023, Rob Howden told me, and let me find it here so I don't misquote him or anything. He says... Um, In 2023, we'll have a new car that will use the same Tadis tub with Halo that USF 2000 and Indy Pro 2000 are moving to next year. It will be the same engine as USF 2000 as well, only restricted. So there will now be effectively four steps on the road to Indy ladder with USF Juniors. And it sounds promising and probably well... Let's be honest, this this is more within the Anderson Promotions, you know, sweet spot, right? Especially yeah. with rising costs or or trying to get, you know, more capital invested in Indy Lights. That's the duty for Penske organization, right? This is more the speed for Anderson promotions. And it's gonna be a great thing to further get drivers in cars early on as they look to graduate on the ladders and get to IndyCar.
0: So it'll be a six-race series on road courses. Well,
1: it'll be a six-venue event with with double-headers or triple-headers. So a total of 16 to 18
0: races. Okay. And and Nathan Brown mentioning that drivers as young as 14 uh, race in USF 2000, so this will prepare them it'll be sanctioned by usac two hundred thousand dollar championship sc- scholarship to go toward a usf 2000 ride budgets approximately 120 to one hundred fifty thousand dollars for the 16 to 18 races and you know just another step and like you said competing with the uh what the the f4 honda yeah, f4 regional america's, americas yeah. series i mean it's a good competitive thing and Anderson has the money to <laughs> invest in this yeah, new series because still, the Lights better, scholarship right? uh, will end after this year. Yeah, so
1: you know, th- I think this is a great thing for the road to Indy is, you know, it's it's going to have three levels below Indy Lights and you're capturing because I think correct me if I'm wrong, the F4 Americas, they had a scholarship as part of that to go to USF2 or no, it was it was at Indy Lights. Yeah, to Lights. Yeah. So I think it's more just keeping everything in-house and once you enter this ladder, you know, it's a clear path. And um, you know, it sounds like a great uh, great idea, great plan. I don't know how many of the races I'll be watching Caleb, but it'll definitely be interesting as you see some of these youngsters as young as 14 getting in the cars and swing these uh these cars around and and it's and it's good in terms of of capturing teams knowing that it's going to be the same tub uh, come 2023 is what they use in um, USF 2000, Indie Pro 2000, and even the same engine they use in USF 2000. So wouldn't be surprised if it's a little light on entries next year, considering, you know, they're going to use that F4 car and then really see it explode in 2023.
0: Yeah, I think we'll see how much interest there is because it's, a lower cost of entry before you get to the road to Indy. So I like the idea. It's just a matter of, you know, how many people can truly make that work.
1: Well, and it's interesting because if you look at the F4, uh, Formula Four United States Championship and you go through the teams, you see Jay Howard Driver Development, which we know that they're in, um, the road to Indy. Mm-hmm. Um, is it D Force Racing? I think they have a presence. Yeah. Or used to. Um, so even those two teams. Could you see them, you know, jump with their cars over? I mean, Jay Howard, he's right; he's running four cars in that series. And DeForest is running three cars in that series. So, it'll be interesting to see if they jump from Formula 4 to that USF Juniors or try to do both. But... It seems like I'm sure they would have they have had discussions with a couple of those teams that do both the road to Indy and F4 and, and really gauge their interest.
0: One thing I forgot to get to on silly season stuff, not really for IndyCar, but Santino Ferrucci has been running with Sam Hunt Racing. He will be at Talladega this weekend uh, with High V and Palermo's Pizza. Things make you go,
1: hmm. Well, I think here's my conspiracy theory: is High V has been all Santino Ferrucci. Um yep. and I think Ray Hall has been not as gung ho about Santino Ferrucci as Hi-V has been. That's why we've kind of seen a couple other drivers mixed in and talk about this person, that person, but I think Hi-V is like, look, we want Santino Ferrucci. We want to sponsor him full time in 2022 as one of your drivers. That's what we want. We don't care about driver B, C, D. This is who we want. And I think we're seeing indications of that with Hi-V sponsoring him in NASCAR.
0: Yeah, I think you're spot on there. I think some people in the team want Lungard or even Askew. In fact, I believe Kevin Lee said on Trackside that he believes the seat will go to Lungard, which is uh, surprising because I know they're a factor of the ownership that likes him, factor of the ownership that likes Askew, and then obviously the sponsor loves Ferrucci. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and look, the sponsor wins. We talked about it with Rocket and AJ Foyt Racing. like. Maybe they wanted somebody else other than Borday in there. Look, if if they want to bring back their primary sponsorship money, they're going to get a say at the table
0: for who's in that seat. All right. Detroit and Toyota, the last two key things we want to get to uh, before we get to other items. Let's start with Detroit. So Uh we got the news the other day that detroit is looking to move off of belle isle and actually race on downtown city streets which this is not uncommon they have run detroit for f1 and then later for cart at the time uh, back in the 80s and early 90s however you look at the course layout leaves a lot to be desired some factors of that original street circuit you know still in play but this would be in effect for 2023 And they have a current agreement with the state of Michigan to host the Grand Prix on Belle Isle through 2024, but they're looking to move it to city streets of Detroit in 2023. And it hosted uh, races there from 1982 to 1991 before it moved on to Belle Isle. So again, interesting move on one hand, you get excited because the event would be maybe more accessible because belle isle is an island and getting on and off i understand is kind of a mess but on the other belle isle is a unique venue and i feel like the racing actually has gotten pretty solid there over the past several years yeah it's become you know more entertaining than i think it was you know say 10 years ago and i think it'd kind of be a shame because i know that event does so much for belle isle as far as you know upkeep and main, maintaining it and making it you know, a a nice place to go.
1: Yeah, most definitely, but you know, it's also a state park and we've known that uh, you know, there it's not been a sizable objection of people, but there have been some people that have kind of fought back with that and uh, not wanted the race there. And I think a combination of maybe not b- being tired of fighting those battles and they're seeing Nashville and just how much that that excitement that was Detroit's not Nashville in terms no. of, of of excitement, but I feel like I feel like there's opportunity there. I, you know, a Detroit of 25 years ago probably wasn't the best place to have a street course race, but right around the stadiums, that's really well developed with you know restaurants and shopping and 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 bars and all that stuff. You know, that can be a good sell and and really be a boost to the Detroit economy. So. It may the track layout may not be ideal, but look, if it's going to lead to a a bigger, more financially stable, successful event, then I think it's a move that makes a lot of sense.
0: You can draw a bigger crowd for sure with the race being on city streets, just because, like I said, more access and it'll be closer to a lot more stuff as opposed to kind of off to the side on how it is now. There's only one, you know road there's a bridge you know going in and out and that's it and you have to be bust in and out <laughs> like i think they do it with school buses usually yeah, for, for fans uh, i mean it's
1: kind of a mess it's interesting
0: have you definitely. been i've not been to
1: i've Detroit. not been I've, I've come very close to going but i can never mm-hmm. pull the trigger so never gone it's not ideal from what i understand it's very picturesque for sure but um you know not something that i feel is a must on the schedule i, I really think like all in all the event and the city could benefit from it let's just hope it's a little bit more exciting
0: oh for sure all right toyota time <laughs> hey hey
1: <laughs> it's done done deal game over
0: so we've told you on the podcast before that toyota and mercedes are the potential interests according to indycar deep throat of being the third and possibly fourth engine manufacturer so there's an auto week article that came out you know the other week and there are some staple quotes. And then Marshall Prude of Racer.com wrote something, had the same exact statement uh, from the Toyota executive in his article. Yeah. However, the fact that he even wrote about it tells you there's at least something there, right? I mean, he he discussed ongoing rumors and having an interest in joining the series. Um, also, it really picked up Steam Sunday at Long Beach. The French IndyCar commentators for the French TV package mentioned the possibility of Toyota joining the series, um, and that really kind of hyped up the the conversation.
1: You sent me a text with the flashing light um, emojis. <laughs> uh, the siren asks, you know, that how big that was. Um, let's break it down. Um Makes sense in a lot of ways. We've heard rumors from IndyCar Deep Throat that this was a potential um, match. Toyota's been in the series before. They want to up their motor racing profile. uh, Checks all the boxes. Let's just hope we're not disappointed again.
0: Yeah, I would say it checks all the boxes now. Before all this speculation came out, Bruce Martin of Speed Sport... Had an article, and you know, this is kind of jumping the game. But uh, Martin writes two weeks ago at the Grand Prix of Portland, members from several IndyCar teams told SpeedSport that they had heard a third OEM was close. One even went so far as to speculate that it was Toyota. According to Miles, when quizzed by SpeedSport Friday morning, says the Friday of Long Beach, that's exactly what it was speculation. Miles, though, said it's hard for me to imagine the paddock has a clue. These are not conversations we talk about. We want to communicate with our stakeholders. There's no benefit to talking with them about it, and I don't think they have any insight. Rumors are rumors, and that is usually what they are worth. So he's
1: saying his team owners don't know anything. Look, people talk. People tell things to other people who tell people who tell people. And team owners are affluent people, and they'll, they're will they going to be hearing stuff. So um, I'm not surprised that this thing leaked, and I know they're trying to keep it close to the chest and definitely don't want things to break down and be disappointed again but um you know it seems like the best opportunity for indycar we've had in a long long time
0: all right well if you want to interact with us you can find us at newtrackrecordpodcast.com while you're there subscribe to our weekly email list so you'll never miss an episode follow us on social media on facebook like us to search for new track record on twitter our handle is indycar podcast and you can email us new track at gmail.com And as always, follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. All right, Justin, uh, you said the other week we'd have our Friends of New Track Record podcast Fantasy Challenge winner on.
1: Yeah, little did I know it was going to (laughs) be from your bloodlines. I would not have suggested such a thing.
0: Yeah, so congrats to Micah's Motors, who is the winner a tight contest 2,198.25 points, finishing ahead of Dodger Jedi, 2,191.5. It's a lot of math there, but I think that's 6.75 points, uh, the gap. So Micah's Motors, a.k.a. Micah, congrats on the win.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. It was a uh, hard-fought victory.
1: So... Now, does he get a scholarship like the Road to Indy scholarship <laughs> where he gets to move up and actually face some competent people, not just us two?
2: Uh, well, I'm hoping to make it to the big leagues next year, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, the ultimate IndyCar fantasy racing league, but uh, I don't know. Is, is that something that's uh, part of this uh, winning package?
0: No, you just get the, the phone call. You, you would have gotten a sticker, but you already have a sticker, so I'm not I'm not sending you another sticker.
2: Okay, well, yeah, I think I did get a friends and family discount on that sticker. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Uh, So with uh, your
0: fantasy results, clearly you know what you're doing. I do not. I somehow couldn't log in to the league. It wouldn't appear, and I think I missed the final three or four races. Do you have, like, a strategy without giving away all your secrets that, that you have that you can share with the audience?
2: Yeah, so uh, the first part of my strategy is logging in. <laughs> so that was you know, kind of the first thing that I did. Um, then next, I always pick all of the A.J. Foyt cars, <laughs> specifically Dalton Kellett. i would winner every time. That seemed to work out really well for me this year. So I would recommend everybody do the same thing next year.
0: Hey, it worked out um, well at Gateway, 12th place finish.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I don't know that I ever picked him this year, but uh yeah, you know, I um I don't I don't want to divulge too much too many of my secrets, but um some of them may involve like picking drivers that qualify pretty well. So
1: you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, outstanding. did this does this pay off in, in betting too? I mean, Mike, are you are you a do you bet IndyCar?
2: I am not a gambler, so okay. but, you know, it does make me think that maybe I should because Maybe I could make a little extra cash, but yeah. Know, I, I, as as I know you guys have touched on on the podcast, it, it is a little bit hard to do that though it seems, and that's an area where IndyCar probably could improve things.
0: Oh, for sure. There's, I mean, some places they don't even have it, right, Justin? I mean, they don't have anything for IndyCar yeah, outside I the mean, Indy 500.
1: I bet uh, DraftKings for me has it every week. Um, FanDuel only had the Indy 500. And I mean that there's other books out there, of course, but those are the only two I use. Yeah, so. th-
2: those are main ones.
1: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe maybe you know it'll spread a little bit better, and you know maybe you could be a spokesperson for one of these books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Clearly, good enough to love- pick uh, winners. So, yeah. do you often oh, pick the the race winner, or are you more getting guys who finish top five, top ten? Uh,
2: a little bit of both. I usually would. I wasn't always getting the race winner but a lot of I would say at least more than definitely more than half the time probably about 75% of the time getting the race winner and then just trying to get points elsewhere where I could.
0: I mean, we here on the podcast are terrible at picking race winners except I did get the Indy 500 right so I'm just going to point that, that out. And that paid. To that paid. Yeah, a lot of people were very happy with my selection. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, now you guys are at the disadvantage that you pick before, like they've even practiced. So that's, you know, part of it too.
0: That's true. So I I do a a fantasy league with some former coworkers uh, from IMS, and we usually pick before, you know, qualifying and sometimes even before practice. So it makes it a lot more difficult. I was six points back from winning in that league this year.
2: Well, congratulations on almost winning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's not the same as winning. That's true. All right, right, let's talk uh, some favorites, favorite driver, favorite team, favorite race outside the Indy 500.
2: My uh, all-time favorite driver is Dan Weldon. Rest in peace. Um, I just loved his personality and just his – he just was was – aggressive and just the overall very skilled driver and that that was my my favorite driver currently um i root for joseph newgarden even though he is with team penske which does make it a little bit questionable but uh i liked him uh, when he was even racing for ed carpenter now justin you will find it interesting though that caleb is actually um a closet milkaduna yeah <laughs> Literally, if you go in his closet, you will see rows upon rows of T-shirts, hats, sunglasses with her likeness on it. So I don't know why he never wore a shirt. Ah, see, that's why I can't find
1: anything on eBay, because he has the stockpile. I, I, I bought all of it up. He bought
2: them all himself so that you couldn't find it.
1: Oh, man. Another piece of the Caleb puzzle falls into place. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that that's good stuff <laughs> for sure favorite uh obviously Indy 500 I'm sure is your favorite race F- you have like a second favorite or favorite Ooh. track
2: um that is a hard one um obviously I was very happy about them having the Nashville race this year since I live in Nashville currently so that was uh you know pretty exciting one to go to this year although it was a Longer than the Indy 500, uh, I guess, with all the cautions and red flags that they had. But um, I, I do really like Barber, which I've been to a few times. I think the track's really cool um, just because it's got a lot of elevation change, and so that's kind of, kind of fun to watch in person. Uh, maybe not always as much in TV, on TV, but it's just you have a good viewpoint. at turn five at the hairpin because you can see, like, so much of the track just from that one spot, which a lot of times you can't on a road or street course. So, so that's pretty cool because you can see the hairpin and then come, come along the back stretch and some of the other turns too. And even actually you can see them just the top of them on the front stretch going across. So that's, that's kind of a cool, cool track. But those would be my, my top ones probably.
0: Is there a track that if IndyCar returned to, you would be all in on going? Like, you know, a Milwaukee, a Michigan, a Cleveland, you know, et cetera?
2: Um, probably a, I would be interested if they went back to Vancouver, I think. But that's never going to happen. So, Formula E is going to race there. They are, okay. But I'm sure it's, it's changed quite a bit just because really a lot of that was with the Olympics. I think they changed mm-hmm. some of the city streets and things, but that would have been a cool one i think to go to all
0: right what do you think comes first a third engine manufacturer or an international race outside of canada
2: uh i'm gonna go with third engine manufacturer with all the rumors about that so not to spoil any of your podcast uh discussion but i think that's uh, uh i would go with that we, this
1: is—it's how desperate all our, uh, of us IndyCar fans. You know, we still have hope. We still have you know one ounce of actual potential substantial news, and we just gravitate towards it. Third OEM. We're
0: we're so gullible.
2: I mean, yeah. At this point, I think about every manufacturer has been rumored. Um, so,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've not heard Citroen rumored.
2: Okay, okay, well, then I take that back, but most, <laughs> well, most other ones.
1: And I think, you know, too, in a lot of ways, Toyota makes a lot of sense. I think when we heard Ferrari, you know, it was tough to get excited because you're like, this, this really doesn't make sense, right? But, right. you know, Toyota in a lot of ways uh, fits the bill, so to speak.
2: It would, for
0: sure, for sure. All right, well, any anything else you want to add? Uh, since you are the champion, you know, if you have any shout-outs or anything you want to gloat about, this is your time.
2: Uh oh shout outs to gloat about well um i am better than my younger brother since i beat him at fantasy racing so i just want everyone to know that um, and it,
0: and it's not really a surprise because i'm terrible at fantasy sports as you know
2: <laughs> yes i do know <laughs> having played fantasy football with you and you basically finishing last multiple years in a row so
0: auto draft baby <laughs> that's auto draft never works never
1: nope works. Never. Although, when you do auto-drafts, you get like an A in your draft.
0: That's true. <laughs> because the it's, high. it's Yahoo
1: do it. doing it.
2: It never works out in the end.
1: <laughs> no, it never does. The lower your pick to finish on on Yahoo or wherever, the better season you're going to have.
2: Yes. That, that is actually somewhat true, I would say.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, congrats again. You're our 2021 IndyCar Fantasy Challenge Friends of New Track Record Podcast Champion congrats on the title and uh here's to next year if someone can uh you know maybe me uh top you and you know actually put together a decent result
2: yeah well you know next year i'm actually going to pick all of the races so then it'll be a little bit tougher to beat
0: <laughs> wow <laughs> he, he claims the win and he missed the race what race did you miss
2: uh i don't remember but i did miss one race because i think i was like busy doing some things and then i'm like shoot i didn't pick and race was already started so wow impressive yeah yeah I i managed to come back from that deficit real scott
0: dixon move all right well congrats on the win and uh if you win again maybe we'll let you on again next year maybe all
2: right well thanks guys for having me
0: see you buddy see ya
2: Bye.
0: all right congrats to our winner it was somehow, I mean I rigged. Yeah, right? I mean, but I can't even throw it at that there. I mean, how is it how's it even rigged? Because <laughs> it's
1: nepotism, you somehow <laughs> you somehow knew how to set him up to get the win.
0: Clearly, clearly. All right. So time for the mailbag. What do we got? and, and oh, before I forget, to our second and third place finishers. So if you are those other two entries that we mentioned. I will be emailing you and uh, all I need is your address, social can... security
1: number, <laughs> and... mother's <laughs> maiden name. No.
0: Just just your mailing address and then I can send you a sticker because I did say top 3 will get a sticker, so I will mail out said sticker to you and if you don't own a sticker and you didn't win, just get, go to newtrackrecordpodcast.com, check out the store. We have stickers for sale. Very affordable. No shipping costs. I just mail them. It's pretty simple. They'll arrive, you know, depending on the, the strength of the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> <laughs> and you will place it at a prominent place at your either
1: your vehicle or your home.
0: Yeah. You know, some people put stickers on laptops, you know, on a cooler, whatever. But uh, they're, they're good stuff. All right. Plenty to get to in the mailbag this week. Not that that is a surprise. And... Let's see where we're gonna start out. Have we heard from week. IndyCar deep throat? You know, really nothing much. Where has he uh, been? He or coming she. out? I, I, there's just it's been kind of quiet lately, and well, I, I think we're just waiting on some of these announcements to to go through. But waiting the rumor for mill has tailed, been Toyota. been very quiet. You She's know, outside of Toyota, because he he told us that a while ago. Yeah. All yeah, right, so, not not to
1: glow. We did talk about that in yeah. What,
0: June. Yeah, early June if you go back to the Detroit recap, I believe. Um that's that episode recapping Detroit, that is when we discussed Toyota and I believe also Mercedes all the way back then.
1: Well, you know, 50%. We're not a two. <laughs> not too bad.
0: All right. Posted a poll with the signing of Roman Grosjean for 2022, who wins the most races at Andretti next season? 74% said Herta, 15% Grosjean, 2% Rossi, 9% said a, a tie for the most wins. Some of the responses here. So wait, 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 2% of people said Alexander Rossi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Isn't that crazy? I mean, if you would have posted this poll two years ago, it'd be the opposite. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Transition Trojan saying, I went with Grosjean. The dude is an animal out there, but you never know with Andretti. They need to iron out the reliability issues. That is true. Vicky Lynn, 26, three apiece for Colton and Romain. That's wow. pretty high numbers. And NK Harden said, Zach Veach. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. That is very funny. Let's see what else Which, we have. Which, you know, here. We,
1: we do need to say this, and I don't know the exact situation of, of it, but it seemed like Zach Veach and Gamebridge were. Attached to the hip, right? Yeah. Like, he brought GameBridge in, and it's become a prominent sponsor within Andretti Autosport, within the IndyCar series, and now it's on the
0: Fieldhouse down in Indianapolis. Yeah, it used to be Bankers Life Fieldhouse for the Indiana Pacers of the NBA play, and now it is GameBridge Fieldhouse. So, so that company is expanding. So all because of Zach Veach, bringing him in. <laughs> I mean,
1: probably not all of it, but... You know, he be brought in a sponsor that stuck around. Pretty impressive.
0: All right, uh, I posted. Would love to hear from Ed Jones after the race. Well, we did. Yeah,
1: somewhat. And somewhat. this is from um, Marshall Pruitt. Marshall Pruitt basically <laughs> saying, not basically not taking responsibility.
0: Yeah, which was interesting to say the least. And Marshall called him out on it.
1: Yeah you know that's not a way to endear yourself to the drivers in the paddock and quite frankly to teams as well look if you screw up own up to it especially when it's that obvious
0: yeah there was there was no way that incident was a racing incident i mean that was clearly ed jones making a mistake
1: yeah he just put it in too
0: fast and hit a championship contender it happens so responses on you know Hearing from Ed Jones. So Daniel SEM 2004 on Twitter. His last ever IndyCar interview. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chucky WX. He ruined any hype this race could have been. Yeah. <laughs> 500 Indy 1911. His last IndyCar race. And Joseph underscore Bear. The hate for him is ridiculous. He's in the race. Maybe award should have qualified better. So <laughs> we found the Ed Jones defender. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the Ed Jones
0: burner account. <laughs> Uh, some comments on the uh, Toyota, you know, rumor that came from French TV. They're reporting 2024, by the way, for the year. Uh, Poet Shevchenko, what is third OEM DEFCON? <laughs> uh, Bill Hesse, just with the mind-blown emoji, Chucky WX. Don't know who that is. Won't put $1 on it. That's uh, talking about the, the person on Twitter, which was KareemFanWSR. WSR. <laughs> And I think there were some other people who had some audio. Um, did you notice that Paul Tracy confirmed pagino was leaving Team Penske, even though <laughs> during the race broadcast? And did that's you what I that? love
1: because they, they always <laughs> dance around things on the broadcast and they're always saying, "Well, we know where he's going. We're just not going to say it, blah, blah, blah. So credit to PT and be like, you know, screw this. I know where he's going or who's leaving and I'm going to say it.
0: I thought that was awesome. I agree. we all knew the answer. Yeah. And but at like, least you know, he, he confirmed something. Now, he didn't say the team, but... But he was going to be elsewhere, basically. Yeah. Chucky WX, if I hear Diffie scream, hello, hello, one more time, I might punch my TV. <laughs> so much overkill, and you guys were right about no track analysis, no onboard teaching about the circuit, sad.
1: No, they keep doing the Honda track preview, and it's like seven, eight, nine laps in, and it's just uh, following a driver around the track. There's no real analysis or anything.
0: They used to do it in the pre-race, yeah. and it would be in a pace car, and they'd show the onboard, right?
1: Yeah, or they'd show a graphic and you know show the passing zones and all that stuff. And it, it didn't take that long; it was like 45 seconds to a minute. But it at least gave you some, you know, semblance of intelligence about what where, where the heck they're they're racing. But you know, instead for the you know half hour pre-race, we're just going to do you know talking head interviews the entire time. <laughs>
0: What are your thoughts on the championship? Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. What are your thoughts on the race? How would you rate the race?
1: Um, I rate uh, – what did I rate it? Because I saw your question, and I don't think I ever responded. I put like a six and a half, I think. I'm
0: going to go seven. Yeah, pretty similar. I thought Laguna Senko was way more entertaining, which I, I never would have thought going into either of these races that would be the case.
1: I think what hurt Laguna – or hurt uh, Long Beach um, was – they tried to hype up the championship and in the end there just wasn't any substance there because of what well, happened to Pato. Because
0: Ward. of Ed Jones on yeah. the, the hairpin turn on lap one. Right. <laughs> so, you know, not exactly it's it's NBC's
1: fault, but they're trying to hype up something that's not there. And I think that hurt the product or, you know, hurt, you know, the grade for me. And also just as he does, Colton Herta's wins, the majority of them come in dominant fashion. And that was a dominant
0: drive again last week. A dominant drive starting 14th on a street circuit, mind you. Craziness, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, five of his six wins, as Marshall Pruitt pointed out in his cool-down lap, complete dominant victories. The exception was Coda, with the the issue for Will Power,
1: which was his first one, right?
0: Yeah, that was his first yeah. win. But all five cents have been dominant. All right, a lot of responses on rate the race. Uh, Nick J. Fletcher. Can we have a rate the warm up because that Elio Rossi thing was nuts? <laughs> Has Elio been stifled by Pinsky perfection for all of these years? He's been like this all along, or is he just <laughs> getting spicy with age? Elio blowing a gasket, ten out of ten.
1: <laughs> and the thing is, is he was wrong. Like who's passing somebody there? A little in the race, let alone the warm up. Or what was he doing? <laughs> like it was absurd, but I loved it because it it it, it was non typical Elio. You know, Elio's very much, he's animated and happy, but he's also a robot. Like, it's just, that's always him, right? It's like he's programmed to be smiley and happy and energetic. He was straight up angry. And that was good, Elio. I liked it.
0: Give me more. It was... It was entertaining to see the passion. I mean, I never thought I'd see an interview where Elio dropped an f bomb to oh. Kevin Lee, <laughs> and
1: then he was done. And then Kevin Lee had a follow up question, and like Elio, like whipped back around and just whipped back at it again. It was great. I thought he was going to shove Kevin Lee there for a minute.
0: <laughs> uh, it, Nick J. Fletcher adds over under ten. Uh, PT Post talking about Rossi Elio rivalry this offseason season. Uh, that's got to be awkward too, because aren't they Wayne Taylor racing? Uh, IMSA endurance oh, yeah, race that teammates, could be interesting. and I don't know if there are any other IMSA races as far as the endurance ones coming up. I, I'll be honest, I don't follow sports car racing outside of maybe watching a little bit of the Rolex 24 and maybe a little of Le Mans. But yeah, that could be awkward if they have any tests or anything like that. A little that.
1: bit, and Rossi's not going to be the guy that just apologizes no. to get it over with, even though he knows he's right. Like he's going to be like, "Dude, that that was all you." <laughs>
0: R. Cole says, after going to the Lions game and seeing the Ravens make an NFL record kick to win, I watched only the last half of the race, but it helped me get over the Lions. Eight and a half for the race. Next week, Lions at Bears get ready for terrible football. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I
1: can't wait because it's an opportunity for the Bears to get a victory, which, you know, at this point, I'm really not sure I want them to get because I think (laughs) the more they lose, the more Ryan Nagy can get fired.
0: N.K. Harden gave it a six and a half. Colton making his charge early was fun, but also very quick. Once that was over, most of the drama up front was over. It seemed like after the first step, most drivers had settled in. The passing cooled off a lot. Also, zero drama with the championship thanks to Stupid Jones.
1: <laughs> yep, Stupid Jones. But, you know, uh, it was going to be like he was starting up front, toward the front. I think he could have made it interesting. I just, I'm not sure if it would have been exciting. It would have been much more exciting than it was, but I just don't know how that was going to work.
0: It was a long shot to begin with. Yes. Absolutely. For a most Everything definitely. had to be perfect, and you just didn't think it was going to happen that no, way. No, I
1: mean, Alex Pillow stayed out of trouble. I mean, if anything, you would have had those two battle, um, you know, for position, and that could have been exciting.
0: Hunters weigh 67, solid 7. Would have been higher if a ward wasn't taken out. I was there in grandstand 6 and saw plenty of passing at turn 1 and turn 6. Not sure if TV caught it. Went all three days and I had a blast at my home race. Already looking forward to next April. Well, that's cool that you got to go. Absolutely. Poet Shevchenko said, "Hmm, I might say seven. It was better than previous Long Beach races. I think it would have been nice if more than six drivers took the start. Also, if Ricatto yeah. got knocked out early, Herta is unbeatable on street courses. Yeah, that's true. I mean, literally, it was his mistake that cost him at Nashville, but he won St. Pete. He looked like he was going to win Nashville. He won Long Beach. I." Didn't really have it at Detroit, but that's kind of—I mean, that's kind of like a hybrid, right? I mean, it's a street course, but it's not a street course. I never know how to define that one. Yeah. Um. I mean, I guess it's technically a street. Yeah, street course. it is. It's a street course. Look, uh, I mentioned
1: to you with the start too. There was you know six people, six drivers side by side. The first three rows were side by side. Nobody else was. Um. That's the things that IndyCar needs to fix. You in fix the that
0: on those tracks by taking the start at the flag stand, like NASCAR does, yeah. As opposed to because <laughs> I understand way you're coming earlier. around
1: the hairpin and then you're you know supposed to try to get
0: into position. It's tough. Daniel SEM 2004 gave it an eight and a half. Would love to see more on track passes for the lead. The cautions made the strategy wonky for some. Really like having Long Beach be the finale, which would keep this place on the schedule. We kind of talked about that. I mean, it was nice because there's more buzz. Just like last year with St. Pete, there's more buzz, but it's not going to happen.
1: No, I don't think so. I don't think you mess with it, and you know, quite frankly, you know, uh, an existing race that's successful, I wouldn't sacrifice it just for added intrigue at a championship. Look, at this point, I'm I'm used to the championship not living up to the hype. You know, in terms of locale, in terms of a lot of people there, it's just the facts of life. You know, I've kind of accepted it. So in in terms of
0: 16 straight years, it's gone down to the final race. My (laughs) goodness. Yeah.
1: And you know, really packing people in there to be excited about that or turning their
0: televisions on. Not really. All right, this from According to Stitch. Gave it an eight, despite the boneheaded efforts of Ed Jones. Good riddance to him. <laughs> man, he's, he made a lot of enemies last Sunday, didn't he? And one more enemy, Jeremy from HBG. He gave the race a seven and a half. Would have been even better without, I'm assuming, the currently unemployed Torpedo Jones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The, the hatred was good. Chucky WX just said the race wasn't very good at Parade. He was not a fan. I thought it was okay. Uh, Jack Metallic said this was not good two out of ten man i thought there was a lot of on track passing to be honest i yeah i thought I mean, it maybe was not at the front but pretty good yeah um let's see some other tweets uh, scuba steve 85 said Plo had more wins and won the championship should we wonder if dixon is washed up <laughs> <laughs> oh man not i yet. think he's kidding but also he's fine do you say Pillow is the number one guy now? No. At Ganassi? No. Not yet. Okay.
1: But I think the gap isn't that big.
0: It, it feels like next year could be more like, you know, the Dixon Dario years where they're both sure. kind of battling back and forth. Yeah. You have guys up there. Uh, Transocean Trojan says Long Beach doesn't fail to deliver. Maybe it's my bias, but that was the best street course race of the season. Imagine hearing fans cheer at a track outside of Indianapolis, too. You could hear the fans when Herta was charging through. Most definitely. On a TV broadcast. All right. Toyota to IndyCar on the poll. I think you posted this one. 61% said, oh, it's happening. 39% said, fake news. <laughs> that is surprisingly high, saying that it's happening. Yeah, because- I'll be know, honest.
1: We've been, we've been left at the altar before, uh, almost literally, in terms of you know a deal potentially being done and then yeah, not. Yeah, Porsche
0: was like, done, then not. Yeah. And then Ferrari felt like a game the whole time. Yeah.
1: So- Uh, And those are just the incidents we know about, right? So, I, I, you know, it's still, I'll believe it when I see it. And even if it announced tomorrow, I'd be super excited and we'd say finally and all that, but until I see a car on track in 2024.
0: With a competent non-Lotus Judd engine.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, You know, 2024 makes sense because you have to think, you know, 2023 seems like a ways away. But it's really only, what, 16, 17 months? It's, yeah, it's not even a year and the a season half. Start, from I the mean, season start in 2023? They need to
0: be ready, honestly, for testing no later than the first of the year for 2024.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it, it does feel like, oh my gosh, so ways away if it's the equivalent of you know three more seasons before we see Toyota on track to, to, to compete, but... Uh, I'd much rather them take the time and do it right than instead of uh, speeding through things.
0: All right, thoughts on Toyota. Daniel SCM 2004. The word I heard was 2024 for Toyota. Could be smoke and mirrors, but it seems plausible, and Toyota knows what they are getting from IndyCar. RP's leadership is the key to them coming back. Hunter's away uh, 67 says, Would be nice, but I've been teased with this news before. Not smart at Toyota. Losing the Long Beach GP sponsorship, if true, though. Uh, I want to point out that was the local... Like southern california toyota right, dealers it wasn't yeah it was not toyota you know usa or whatever that had that deal indy nathan it seems credible but i think the timeline that some are reporting is probably optimistic i don't see it happening by 2023 unless they've been secretly working behind the scenes on it yeah like you said and it's a new engine so everyone used to say well cosworth has an engine that's ready to go well that's not the case anymore because they have the, the hybrid edition
1: yes so, you know, who knows how much work would actually need to be done. There they're, they wouldn't be starting from scratch, so to speak.
0: not Y-T-E-F-N-O-T-E-H. <laughs> I love the username. I'll believe it when I see Toyota's press release. Even then I'll be skeptical until I see it in a car. Also uh-huh. fair. I yes. mean, it's hard not to feel that way. Um, Let's see. Michael Bragg 5 says, what teams would they supply if they came back? Aaron McLaren, DCR, Hunkos-Hollinger, Dowdle, Team Penske, Andretti Autosport, and CGR would leave their manufacturers. No, it's
1: it's Gibbs, Gibbs Racing. <laughs> it's going to come over. Be the I, factory I team think
0: with- one of the quote unquote big three. It won't be Chevy, but between or Chevy, it won't be Penske, Penske because they'll be with Chevy. But I think Andretti or, or Chip Ganassi would move. I think it's more likely Ganassi would because they'd get more money. Being Ganassi you know, the loves to
1: chase that money.
0: Manufacturer but- team.
1: But if between now and then, between they have to commit, and you would think that by the end of next season's off season is when that decision would be made. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're winning another championship, you know, I don't, I don't think they're walking away with their engine deal. Um, I think it's going to be the team that's struggling the most, and right now that's Andretti.
0: And that could change this upcoming season. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, I think Andretti's driver lineup has already gotten considerably better for next year. You know, excluding the potential fourth car. Yeah. And I think that should help them be more competitive, you know, at the start, you know, if, if things go well behind the scenes.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, money talks, but winning talks more. And Chip Ganassi's winning right now with Honda.
0: Ganassi went from Chevy back to Honda, and Ganassi won the championship- with Chevy, I believe, in 2015 with Dixon. Is that right? I believe
1: so, yeah. So So maybe
0: there is a precedent there
1: that they'd leave despite
0: success. Now, I don't think it was right back to Honda. I don't know if they had Honda in, or, sorry, Chevy in 16, but I know they had Honda in 17. Is that right? Uh, uh, I don't know. I, f- I, I, don't I can't know. recall because the engine deals are usually two or three years. In
1: 17? Um, That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know such things
0: dakota j price said it's kind of weird that they aren't already talking about toyota they've tapped into every other major american motorsport and i think that is the key yeah right there
1: and whether it's an impact or not i can say it probably is that roger penske owns a fair amount of dealerships toyota dealerships right including the biggest one in the united states
0: i did not know that yes some other rate the races. Uh, Howard two one one two gave it a nine. I am analog, gave it six out of ten. Decent race in the season. Would be higher without lap one. Ten out of ten for. Uh, Ntrp. Oh, that's for us. Uh, you guys made my first year that I actually followed every race incredibly easy. Well, thank you. Appreciate, appreciate the compliment.
1: Appreciate Hopefully, you were able to watch with some semblance of uh, understanding.
0: of understanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Stitch, gave it. Okay, let's see. I already, I already, I already covered that one. We're in reruns. Yeah, reruns, rewrite. Okay, uh, Vicky Lynn twenty six saying congrats to Micah's Motors and Dodger Jedi. It was a close fight, so she clearly finished in third. I Was feeling pretty confident in my picks until the first yellow, and it went downhill from there. I'm coming for you next season. Yes, can't wait for next year. Hopefully, we'll have a better setup, so it's easier to join the leagues. Well, it's, it's, it's on that- IndyCar.
1: Car they have a better setup right
0: yeah all right we have simon pagina to meyer shank racing scuba steve 85 says this mean meyer shank is the penske driver's afterlife <laughs> <laughs> and then a poll i posted how many races will elio and simon pagina win for meyer uh, win for meyer shank racing next year this is combined so 37 percent said zero said two, 26% said one, and 2% said three or more. We both said zero. Zero.
1: Yeah. And I texted you. I was like, is it bad that I'm saying zero? And you said I voted zero as well. I don't, I haven't seen the consistency out of either driver to think that they're a threat to win each and every week. And you feel Simon Pagnot is taking a step back from, you know, being in a Penske to being in a Meyer shank racing car. Uh huh. That's going to hurt his competitiveness, and so you know when you look at um, at Elio's finishes,
0: he at um, least qualified well at Long Beach, and his team screwed him over by leaving him out over multiple yellows, pitting you know when he was in the lead. But yeah, I mean Elio's qualifying outside of Long Beach was not really much to write home about, from what I can recall, and yeah, I mean you know outside of Indy. He had a
1: ninth and then four finishes of twentieth or
0: worse. And the ninth was at Nashville, correct? Uh, I think so. And he beat all the team Penske cars in that yeah, race. I do right. know that.
1: <laughs> yes. So yeah, I, I you know, competitive at Indy, yeah. Um, but otherwise it's tough to see them, you know, maybe a podium here or there, but I don't see a win.
0: And and for Simon, I mean, he won one race in the aeroscreen era. That was at Iowa. Now, granted, they do go back to Iowa with a doubleheader next year. But, I mean, he struggled with the introduction of the Aero screen. Yeah, most definitely. All right. N.K. Harden says zero. Uh, Simon has one win in the last two years. Elio had one win in his last three full-time seasons. Ironically, both their final Penske wins came at Iowa. I think both will be contenders at Indy, assuming an AA partnership. That's about it. Both finish eighth through 18th in points. Poet Shevchenko says, I'll say two, but with the caveat that they will podium three or so times further than that. And Tyler underscore Allen says, they've got to work a bit on strategy. Having two ex-Pinsky drivers, they'll certainly bring a lot of experience to aid in that. I could see Simon snagging a win at Indy and the Indy Road Course or Barber. Alia will be a threat at Indy and Street Courses. There you go. I I think, you know, the partnership with Andretti, that should make, assuming that continues, you know, will that continue? I don't know. Uh, that's adding another car
1: to basically what andretti needs to worry about or at least semi worry about don't they have issues their own to figure out
0: well yes and also i i would argue i mean meyerschenk has two full-time cars why i mean unless they have the budget to pay for that partnership with andretti technologies i mean why would they yeah right i mean at this point i don't i don't know if That's helping either side.
1: I would agree. And it helps you, you know, when you're getting into the sport and you're getting your feet underneath you. And, you know, financially, it's a little bit of a help and point in the right direction. They won the Indianapolis 500, right? So they should be, and they have really solid sponsors. They should be financially on solid ground to be able to go at this thing on their own.
0: And if I'm Andretti, I'd I'd say, no, we're not going to help you. Yeah. You won the Indy 500.
1: 500. We don't (laughs) want anything to do with you.
0: All right, so thoughts on Bourdais running part-time next year. This was the Motorsport article. I mentioned there's one on IndyStar.com as well, but Hunter's Way 67 saying, I'm glad he's got something lined up for next year. Just wish he had been given a shot with one of the big teams in IndyCar when he came back a decade ago. Yeah, I echo those sentiments. Transdose Trojan saying, kind of a bummer. Dude was carrying that team and probably doing a lot better than he had any right to. Yeah, I mean, the results for that car, I mean, they improved over last year. As Marshall Pruitt pointed out uh, on his, uh, his final lap. Yeah, or his cool-down lap. Cool-down lap. Thank you. Couldn't think of the exact title of it. But it's just – I mean, what what more can you ask of the guy? Not much. I think he did well. Thoughts on Detroit track. A lot of thoughts by the fans. Nick J. Fletcher says, Part of this makes me angry that some of the whining and protests of moving it off the island might have worked. Part of it makes me happy that it won't be on the island any longer. That course did not have a lot of great viewing options for fans, in my opinion. He also adds, "One can only hope that the primary method of transportation for spectators is the unair-conditioned public school buses used currently as part of this race." I would hate to give up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, it's uh, it's something to be said. Different experience.
0: R. Cole says, I'm "Very torn about this. It would be cool to see the cars race downtown." I really enjoy going to Belle Isle for the races or better solution, move the race to dot, 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 M-I-S with a (laughs) wink emoji.
1: (laughs) Oh, geez. That's just what we need.
0: Oh, there's more. Don't worry. Ah. Uh, Racer Mac RTP1 says, so 30 years is enough time to forget how bad the races were on the Detroit streets. Yes. And then uh, West Memoron Just go back to MIS, use the same date as the Belle Isle GP now that NASCAR won't use, and everyone wins. Yeah. You guys just know what to say to us to get us, at least me, riled up. And then Hunter's Way, uh, 67, said, not sure I like this. Those downtown street races were terrible back in the day. Kind of like Belle Isle seems to produce good racing. Has some history and tradition going now with the winner jumping in the fountain. That is a cool little thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That will be missed. Well, they can jump in the sewer. And then third engine manufacturer update um, from racer.com's Marshall Pruitt. Thoughts on the article? Poet Shevchenko says, anything to deduce from this? Maybe that MP notes the statements on the Canal Plus broadcast as separate from other rumors about Toyota. Otherwise, it is MP acknowledging the speculation. I think the acknowledgement says something, don't you? Yes. Um,
1: Even saying nothing but saying something is something, if that makes sense.
0: Yes. No, that makes complete sense. And that's kind of where I'm at with this. I mean, we had heard this months ago and you know, we had speculated I think didn't we come to this conclusion before that it made the most sense after you know we had ruled out Porsche and Ferrari and you know for a while we thought BMW was the European one and that was ruled out. But then we looked at, you know, in America, we thought, okay, Hyundai And they have some racing stuff, but I don't know if they're ready to step up to, you know, IndyCar, NASCAR levels of money. Yeah. But Toyota's the one that just, it makes sense.
1: I would agree. Um, It's not as outlandish as most of the other ones we've heard in the last couple years. (laughs) So if it makes sense, it has to be true. Right?
0: That's what we thought about Porsche and Ferrari as well.
1: Oh, (laughs) we're so gullible.
0: (laughs) To be fair, Ferrari always seemed like a pipe dream. Yeah. Like it seemed just out of reach.
1: Yeah, most definitely. It would just, and even then, like if it happened, would it be that good for the series? Because you're going to have to bend over backwards for forever. Yeah, we,
0: we debated it would probably not be that good for the series anyway. Yeah, so this is a much better fit all around. According to Stitch, Says it would be perfect for international races. <laughs> hey, man, if we get a
1: third engine manufacturer uh, on board, it's going to cut out like 25 minutes per podcast. On this show, particularly in the off season. True. I mean,
0: what are we going to do? We're going to
1: fill. We're going to have to talk more <laughs> international race options.
0: Well, I have uh, an update on international race stuff oh, for you here shortly. Do. But first, Fit J nineteen eighty three. Uh, Connor Daly wears a mullet, and he is thought of as cool. I wear a mullet, but results in me being called unprofessional, sent home, and not allowed to return till it cut appropriately
1: hey it's all about the uh business you're in and what job you have
0: and that that's from a poet shevchenko tweet apparently connor daly is entering the 2.4 hours of la mullets <laughs> I, this is apparently a thing uh you can there's a video on youtube about it oh uh,
1: uh, i'm way not beyond me that out
0: i have i mean they have like an entry list with race car drivers and- i feel
1: like mullets you know they had their prime and then they were the butt of the jokes, and now they've come back and be trendy, and it's just, to me, it's not as exciting to spot a mullet now, because it's, uh, people are intentionally doing them. To, oh, yes. You know? It's just, I, I don't know. They've lost their cachet with me.
0: They I were in their prime. I think every generation has a mullet phase, <laughs> and we're just, because of social media, Yeah, it's more pronounced, whereas, like, we didn't really have social media, you know, like it's Gen Z that that's, you know, they're yeah. doing the mo- mostly there's some millennials, but it's mostly Gen Z. Like
1: you do you for sure. It and just, it
0: used to be like high school or, you know, college kids. Yeah. You know, trying to be f- funny. Right but now. I mean, you're getting even like little kids and adults doing
1: it. Yeah. It's just kind of lost. It's, uh, it's glamorous appeal to me. You know, you rocked a mullet in the days of it being, the butt of every joke that's rebellious to me that's commitment now it's just you know
0: just another dude with it's a mullet just
1: another dude with a mullet and you know like you said trying to be funny but you know when when i want to say everybody's doing it but a lot of people are doing it it's just not as amusing and then like this... if, if you came out tomorrow and had mm-hmm. rat tail like <laughs> that's something that's true okay uh mullet is just you know it's it's not it's not capturing me anymore
0: And then this from Daniel SEM 2004 I think if Hy-Vee had their call and who drives the 45, Santino Ferrucci is in the car next year, pretty sure sponsors get the call. You said that earlier, pretty much on the money. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're correct. Yep. All right, so let's see if I – let's see, I missed a couple others. DC Soda gave Long Beach a 9. Bummer about award not getting a shot, but love seeing someone carve through the field and have it pay off. Heard it easily, one of the most entertaining drivers this year. And poet Shevchenko saying, uh, post 2021 season thought, who could have predicted that Scott Dixon, after his dominant 2020 season, would only score one win in 2021? Well, didn't I predict he'd only win one race? You
1: <laughs> are smart.
0: I think I did. Uh, go back to our preseason predictions episode.
1: Yeah. When he's bashing all of Chip Ganassi racing, you can maybe be able to catch that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That part's in <laughs> there as well. Um, yeah. We'll forget about that. Don't beat yourself that. up. And transocean Trojan on the, uh, Rate the race, said 10 out of 10 would bang. (laughs) That's funny. All right. So, as always, send us your tweets, uh, emails, Facebook messages, snail mail, whatever, and we'll get to them in the mailbag. All right. Time for news and notes. Not a whole lot else to get to. Uh, Adam Stern of Sports Business Journal reporting. Jimmy Johnson says it's currently looking good, quote, for him to run the Indy 500 next year for the first time, though there are still details being worked on. And it's not a done deal yet. Johnson said he thinks Carvana would, quote, love the opportunity, end quote, to sponsor him for the race. Duh. Nice. I think it's going to happen. I really do. Yeah. And I understand they're probably going to need more money from Carvana. But the return on investment, you know, the new TV package, all of it. I mean, I think I would hope they've been pleased with what they've gotten out of their sponsorship this year.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Despite all my uh negative talk about Jimmy Johnson, yes, I
0: would agree with that. I I think he did a solid job. I don't that that's just me. Yeah. I, I mean and that
1: that uh, did you see the video of him, you know, pulling the uh the rookie tape off the attenuator in the back? I did not. After the race, yeah, he had a little uh, video up I think just on his private page going, you know, at the at the back end of the Indy car. Uh, taking that tape, that neon green yellow tape off, signifying him a rookie, uh, was able to take that off. So
0: I, I saw the pictures posted. With, I mean, all three of them, I think, posted a pic, but Grosjean, McLaughlin, and Johnson all gathered and had a beer after the race. I thought that was pretty cool. Nice. Excellent. All right, so fewer private test days for IndyCar in 2022. That, according to Marshall Pruitt of racer.com. On one hand, you think, why would they do this now? On the other, well, you have a new engine coming in 2023. So,
1: yeah, that's going to be a little bit pricier.
0: So, it just kind of makes sense from the series standpoint. Also, pro- reporting the planning process is in motion for the next generation IndyCar chassis. Not going to get too into the details for it, but they're working on it. And, you know, they're probably going to start with something similar to what they have now and then kind of work around that which is what they did for the UAK 18 and then they don't really have an idea what the new name would be DW24 or DW25 as a possibility and Jay Fry says they will keep going in the same direction as the UAK 18 era with sleek lines that connote speed I, right I don't then. think we're going to see a lot of, a lot of changes I mean it will look different yeah, but I don't think it's gonna Why? revert back to the manufacturer aero kit era.
1: So you're saying no Delta Wing?
0: No, yeah, no Delta Wing.
1: Why mess with something that works? I, I mean, I feel like you've refined it. Yeah, there, there'll probably be some safety measures and maybe some, you know, subtle changes. I don't think we'll see anything radical, though.
0: No, n- not at all. All right, I teased international races. Motorsport.com's David Mulsher Lopez. Mark Miles, IndyCar's clear focus is on North America. That includes Canada. Correct. And Mexico. Yes. But as we said before, Pato Award has been surprised at the lack of growth. I think this year has helped a lot. I think next year will help even more, especially if he wins a marquee race, say, oh, I don't know, the 500. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. That would help. And let's see, just a couple other things to get to on the news and notes portion. Okay, the Indy Rookie Orientation Program. That's going to come up, well, next week. I mean, it's crazy. They're going to have Roman Grosjean and Jimmy Johnson on the Oval IMS. So the original plan was October 8th, which is just over a week away from when we're recording here on September 30th. But they moved it up. And then it'll be October 6th, and then they're still doing the, yes, they're still doing that test, though, right, for everyone involved, the tire test. So no live streaming is planned, according to Racer, as of now, for the ROP test, and not sure if fans will be able to watch from the viewing mounts inside Turn 2, which is what what they use for the test days when fans can show up. That is the schedule for now and i th- i want to say alex below is doing the tire test yes so oh no incorrect elio castronos and Pato award are doing the firestone tire test gotcha and that will be on october 8th so it, i mean it's not like a full field test but right there'll be something it i guess to me why would you not stream this who knows <laughs> not sure I mean, this is a way to draw massive eyeballs Yeah, on a agree. YouTube stream. I would agree. But, you know, whatever. Hey. Not my call. Yeah. All right. And another racing note. You see this Xfinity series is going to run at uh, Portland International Raceway next year. Oh, man. They're just gobbling up all <laughs> the tracks of IndyCar. No, that's, that's good. Good for Portland. I think that'll be good for that track. And some sad news to report. Uh, Lindy Thaxton has been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. This comes after she had colorectal cancer, but sounds like this is very treatable is my understanding. Yeah,
1: it was treatable, but still has horrible news for yeah, that, that It's come back. Yeah. So best just, wishes to her. Hopefully play prayers her way for sure.
0: All right. Ready for our split era driver of the week, Justin. I sure am not. <laughs> so give me a couple <laughs> okay. minutes. Okay. Okay. Completely
1: spaced. <laughs>
0: I will uh, go through tweets of the week. There's not a whole lot to get to. But first off, the Detroit Pistons with a shout out to Alex Pelot. What? So they tweeted at him after the, uh, d- you know, during the Detroit GP, and he met up with Sadiq Bay of the Pistons. Well, then they gave him a congrats on the title saying congratulations on winning your first NTT Series Championship, Alex Below. Time for that first NBA game next. Um, That's pretty significant. Oh, I don't know, because the Pistons have over a million followers on Twitter. Uh So that's really cool to see that happen. Also, the other tweet of the week, Connor Daly. The goal when you try to wreck someone is don't wreck yourself in the process. And he tagged Oliver Askew. (laughs) And quote tweeted the... uh, Video replay that IndyCar posted of the crash. <laughs> hmm. Spicy. Get,
1: yeah. A little spicy in there. It's interesting.
0: Um, was that enough time? Do you have we're, we're, Do you have your driver? We're, we're doing it here. Let's see what we got. One other note. Scott McLaughlin, not expected to be racing the Bathurst 1000 this year. I don't think this is a surprise due to current restrictions. That was originally in the works, but as things have gone probably not going to race however indy 44 with an article that he posted from autoaction.com which is i think an australian site team penske says mclaughlin can't race at bather so we got competing things <laughs> so we'll see what Who happens knows what's going on <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man all right you ready for i am ready um, you know, I was going to go with, <laughs> at first I go, so like, who's, who's Jan Magnuson? But no, we can't go with That's Jan. too
0: obvious. I know.
1: Um, Way too obvious. Yeah. Well, a little bit, but we're going to go, the, we'll go to cart and we will go okay. to the relatively early days of cart. And when you're looking through, it, it always gravitates towards Peyton pay, coin racing. I think we could do an entire year of, of these guys. <laughs> um, Christian Danner. Who? Christian Danner or Donner? He's a German driver. What year is this? Uh, we're going with 1997. Okay, I'm pulling it up. And right PPG now. raced a single race for Peyton Coin Racing that year.
0: He was set for two events, though. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but he only did one. <laughs> Interesting. And uh, let's let's talk a little bit about it. The only race that he appeared in um was well there's multiple ones he was in but for 1997 we are here let's see he did 3 races um Detroit, Portland and Vancouver but he also he has a, he has a long history in IndyCar he he scored a total of 11 points In his IndyCar career.
0: And that was back when they didn't give everyone points. I mean, you had to finish, what, was it like top 12 or something? Yeah, something
1: like that. But it was 1992 and 93 with Euro Motorsport. And then Project Indy, of course, 94, 95, and then hit his heyday with Peyton Coyne in 1997. Uh, Never did did the 500 as I'm looking at it. Uh, Of course, Euro Motorsport was one of your favorites. Was owned (laughs) by the grandnephew of Enzo Ferrari. I didn't know that. Antonio Ferrari owned Euro Motorsport. Um, But going back to Christian Danner, he actually, um, when I'm looking at it, had four career points in Formula One, believe it or not. 47 entries, 36 starts in Formula One. And raced for uh, some powerhouses in Formula One. Like,
0: <laughs> I have never heard of any of these teams
1: <laughs> West Zack Speed Racing, Ocella Squadra Course, Barclay Arrows BMW. Like,
2: wh-
0: I've, I've never... heard of Arrows, but I didn't yeah. know they ever had an association with BMW. I've heard of the Sear of Silver Arrows, uh, Ryle Racing back in
1: 1989. Like, or Real Racing, I don't even know. He
0: finished fourth. Yeah, the at USG- USGP, GP,
1: which was in Phoenix that year.
0: Yeah, so it was in Detroit, and then they moved it to Phoenix on a street circuit.
1: Yeah, street circuit in Phoenix. I never even knew that was a thing. Um, so this guy has been around, Christian Danner, but uh, he's from Munich in Germany. Um, looking at it, he he competed in Jap- Japanese Formula Three Thousand. Um, And in the 90s, made several appearances in the IndyCar World Series. His best finish was a seventh place at Homestead, Miami in 1995. And he also took part in the now defunct series, the Grand Prix Masters, which was actually a motor racing series featuring retired F1 drivers. Huh. I've never heard of that. Yeah, me neither. Um, Looking at it, it was, uh, was inaugural season was 05 and it folded in 06 and i'll give you this is fascinating the driver champion for this series in 2006
0: was who in the com- in the grand, grand prix, prix masters, masters driver's champion um in 2006 yes um let's see here would I, would I know this person?
1: Yes, you would know this person. Mika Hakkinen. No. Uh, he is a former IndyCar driver, a former IndyCar team owner. Eddie Cheever. Eddie Cheever. <laughs> won it in 2006. Was the champion of the Grand Prix Master Series. Pretty crazy.
0: That is wild.
1: Uh, it f- <laughs> Let me see here. It uh, The Seoul 2005 event was at the... Uh, Kyalami Grand Prix Circuit, which is rumored to be getting an F one race again at some point, and uh, but the series folded after a two race season in two thousand six, so there was a total of three races. And as I look, Nigel Mansell won two of them. That's a pretty big. He won name. at Kyalami in two thousand five. He won at uh, at Qatar in two thousand six. Which and they're then, getting an F one. Yes. Yeah. And then Eddie Cheever won the second race of 2006 at Silverstone. And that was enough, apparently, to get the win because Nigel Mansell had to retire and finish last in that race. Uh, there was going to be three races in 2007 at the Bucharest Ring in Romania, which is one of the most vanilla st- race street courses I've ever seen. I'll show it to you here after this, as well as South Africa and Qatar. But the series was, went defunct. But going back to our pal, um, let me see where he finished in any of these races. Christian Danner finished seventh in the inaugural race, was runner-up to Nigel Mansell at Cutter, and third to Eddie Cheever at Silverstone, with Eric Van de finishing second (laughs) in that race. But um, yeah, he was actually, after his racing career, Danner became an F1 commentator in his native Germany, so still around, sixty-three years old, Mister Christian Danner, again had uh, you know several starts over multiple years in the IndyCar series or the CART, and uh, finished uh, that final year ni- nineteen ninety-seven with Peyton Coyne, Detroit twelfth, Portland twenty-seventh, Vancouver twenty-third.
0: I now- think it's cool that he competed in a series called the. Let's see here. Deutsche Touring Wagen (laughs) Meisterschaft, which Uh, is the German Touring wagon Master Class, Master Series.
1: uh, I would say so, and uh, very interesting. He raced for, uh, that was in the late 80s, early 90s. So there's your random split-era driver of the week, Mr. Christian. I'm going to say it's Donner because he's German.
0: Yeah. Again, you're successful because I've not heard of him at all
1: excellent mission accomplished
0: and that's the goal all right next week we'll be back because we'll have a test to recap with grosjean and with jimmy johnson plus the indy lights championship will be decided this weekend kyle kirkwood and david malukas can david malukas rally back and claim the title at mid as the road to indy wraps up their season this weekend we'll discuss that all next week Here on New Track Record Podcast.
1: Podcast by Federated Media.